It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Movies You Should Love. I am Scott, and joining me as always is a man who needs no introduction. Here at Movies Hey, you hey, love. hey, hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Lauren. <laughs> yes, this is Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Woo! <laughs> um... Here at Movies You Should Love, we try to look at movies, both, you know, modern and classic, and we kind of pick them apart, we look at them, we review them, we dissect them, we basically try to figure out what makes them work, we praise them, we celebrate them, sometimes we kind of mock them and don't appreciate them as much as other people have, but basically we want to look at all of these movies that uh, people love or that we love, and we want to figure out, you know, is this something that people should continue watching? If you haven't seen it, should you check it out? Why should you check it out? That's kind of what we do here. Um, but before we get into all that, a uh, little bit of business we kind of uh, we kind of want to get into. I don't want to do this every single time, but um, well, because honestly, you're probably listening to us to avoid the NPR um, uh, spring drive. It's probably that time again. Um, but something we do at our website um, because basically we don't ever want to. Uh, we don't ever want to charge you for this podcast. We do this for fun. We do this for, because we love movies. We love talking about movies. We love having these conversations. Um, but we both are professionals. We both are people who are taking some time out of our life and out of our, our careers to you know record this and to keep up our website. And so sometimes that costs a little bit of money. And so what we've done um, is we have created a website that has links on each podcast episodes page that has links to Amazon. So what you can do to help us is you don't have to give us any money. We're not going to ask you for any money, but if you go to our podcast page and you click on one of the Amazon links, you don't even have to buy the movie that we've linked to. If you just are like, oh, hey, I'm going to go buy that book now from Amazon. Go to our website first, moviesyoushouldlove.com. Go to our website, then go to Amazon through our site, and then go buy whatever it is you want to buy at Amazon. Because if you do it that way, we get a little bit of a portion of that sale, which is kind of cool. You pay the same price you would at Amazon, and then we get just a little bit of a portion of that. So instead of giving all your money to Amazon, give a little bit of money to us. And we can continue kind of growing the website and doing these things that are super cool. Uh, that's moviesyoushouldlove.com. And then also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash moviesyoushould. Or find us at Twitter at moviesyoushould. And I think that's it. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, and just to go along with that, you know, the the only reason to go to our website is not just for all of this wonderful Amazon stuff, but we actually have, we try to post kind of interesting articles there, um, all of our podcast episodes, we're trying to, to, to build up more and more information that may not be in the podcast, so, you know, go read the articles and, and stuff, there's a lot there, and we're trying to grow it, so... Um, Absolutely, we're really trying to grow the, we're trying to grow the website so that it can exist by itself uh, without the need of the podcast, and vice versa, I mean, Really, to kind of get the whole movies you should love experience, you kind of need to do both. But we want the, the website to stand on its own. So if you go to the page for this particular episode, you will find all sorts of reviews of the things we talk about, links, all sorts of interesting uh, tangential um, items that kind of coincide yeah, with this. Trailers for all the movies we talk about, and you know, Absolutely. links to, to where you can watch them online or where you can buy them, or you know, whatever. We we try to have as many resources for you as possible there that you. And can- then yeah, and then outside of the podcast episode pages, every, every time we find something cool online, uh, we try to share it on the website. I found a couple interesting trailers that came out this week that I just had to post to everybody. Um, there was this really awesome uh, table read, like. Uh, last week or two, I think it was maybe two weeks ago, at Emerald City Comic Con, they got together all of these really famous voice actors. If you've watched any kind of cartoons in the past 20 years, you're going to recognize a couple of these voice actors, like the guy who does Bender's voice from Futurama, Pinky and the Brain were there, and they basically got all these voice actors together, and they did a table reading of the script of Star Wars A New Hope, and it is awesome. (laughs) And then somebody videoed it, and it's a really high-quality video, and I posted it on our website, and it is so much fun to watch. Even if you you don't actually watch it you just let it play while you browse the internet it is so funny to listen to because all of a sudden you have like <laughs> you have uh one of the one of the guys does uh c-3po for a scene as william shatner oh and my it's, goodness it is the and, funniest thing and r2t2 as uh as a, <laughs> oh, um uh, christopher, walken. christopher walken that's right <laughs> beep boop beep I can't do him, but it's fantastic. It is the funniest thing. Um, So anyway, but that's what we try to do at our website. And so, yeah, 
please check us out there. Uh, and then find us on iTunes as well and rate us and uh, just, you know, help spread this conversation because, like I said, uh, Lauren and I do this because we love movies, we love talking about them, and we like to have this conversation with other people. Yeah. So bring more into the fold. Yeah, you know? we love talking, and we love talking to each other. We love talking with you especially. So Exactly. Uh, exactly. MoviesYouShouldLove.com place where it all happens. <laughs> Go there. Bookmark it. Uh, okay, so it's been a little while for uh, Lauren and I. For hopefully for you uh, listeners, this will go uninterrupted. Your listening schedule, have, you won't even notice a hiccup. But for Lauren and I, we haven't gotten together in about three weeks. Yeah, all of our Lauren, stuff that we've had like you know backlogged, we have caught yeah. up on. We are <laughs> <laughs> so we're we'll recording a couple this week, so we can uh, continue to stay on schedule. Uh, but Lauren, you, the reason we've done this is because you have been super super busy. What's going on? Yeah, um, well, I, I know in the last couple of podcasts, I've been hinting at a project that I've been working on, and uh, yeah, we um, this last week, uh, last two weeks, really, I have been up in Michigan uh, shooting. Um, on a documentary project that I'm working on. It's a it's a history documentary. It's uh, about the Civil War, and specifically it's focused on a religious group uh, called the Seventh-day Adventists who were formed right in the middle of the Civil War. So it's, it's kind of this interesting story of a nation being divided, um, while at the same time there's kind of this microcosm of the American experience going on of this religious organization kind of coming together right in the middle of this this conflict so um anyhow it's it's coming together really well we've been doing interviews now for uh off and on for a couple of months um and we went up we we got to go they um the adventist church has a historic village in battle creek michigan that we went up to um and we spent a week there uh, where they basically just handed us a key to the to the place. So we got to go to into all of these old historic buildings. Um, I saw some of those pictures. That was super cool. Yeah, and you know, so we got to like lift the little ropes that section you off from everything, <laughs> and like go back behind the scenes and and you know touch all the furniture. And and I have to ask you a question because I saw a couple pictures you posted on Facebook. You took some pictures of some actual letters written. From the like, soldiers from the Civil War to their, to like their their yeah, spouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I, I just I have to know about that. That yeah. was like, the coolest looking. Okay, thing. so and then so once we kind of wrapped up there, we, we headed over to uh, Andrews University in Berrien Springs, Michigan, which is also a uh, Seventh Day Adventist institution, and they have a um, uh, in, at their library there they have an archive where they have kind of all of these old documents and diaries from founders of the church and all of this stuff. And so, you know, we got to go through all of that. But one thing they had there, and I don't think anybody there has really spent much time with these yet, mm-hmm. but um, they have a set of letters from um, some soldiers, or a, from a soldier back to his wife, and it's like a complete set of letters from, like, spanning a couple of years. Oh. Um, and so it's, like, all of the original letters, all of the original envelopes. Uh, we don't think anybody, uh, to the best of our knowledge, nobody has, like, used these in a documentary or anything yet. That so is we, the coolest thing. Yeah. So, like, we got to, you know, go in, we had to put on the little, you know, white gloves and be really careful with them and stuff, but we got to photograph all of that, and um, so, yeah, we're kind of, like, reading through them and figuring out what we can use from those and what's really going to be useful. So that's, that was super exciting. And, you know, we were yeah. just, you know, we for two weeks, I basically got to uh, go shoot fantastic footage of 150-year-old uh, documents and that is buildings so cool. and chairs and stuff. So that's that's I'm what so I've been jealous. up to. I, I'm a huge history nut, and like when you walk into a place that is old, that is that old, you can feel the history there. You can just feel like the, the sadness or the warmth or the, the the hauntedness of certain locations and seeing like old items like that old artifacts to me is just so fascinating so interesting and a little bit jealous have to have to admit (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um anyhow that's what i've been up to you can we have as scott was saying we kind of have a uh, like a teaser trailer up for -hmm. the documentary that kind of talks about what the movie's going to be about we also while we were out shooting um uh, I kind of threw together a footage reel that has just, mm-hmm. I mean, it just kind of touches the surface. I mean, it was kind of, you know, we shot for a week, so we have 
hours and hours of, of footage of these buildings and of, right. of stuff around it. But, you know, these were just kind of the first, I don't know, 20 shots or something like that that I could... Let's, def- let's definitely put up the uh, the teaser trailer you have. Yeah. Let's put that up on, on our website so people can come check that out at, our, at this podcast page. I think you already have a... Yeah, did I, you already post an article about it? I did. I posted an article about it. I think last week or the week before. Yeah, but um, let's put that. Yeah, let's put it up here in the in the podcast page. And um, I think you and I a little teaser for uh, uh, the listeners. I know you and I have already talked about, but we want to get your brother on because you're working on this project with your brother. Right. And the three of us will sit down. And we'll talk about the whole thing, especially as you guys get closer and are uh, mm-hmm. to completion of it. And we can talk about it more and find out how people can get involved and. Yeah. where they can see it and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, we hope to do even more with him. I mean, on this mm-hmm. podcast, uh, yes. uh, I don't know who know, who's listening or, or not, but for those of you who don't know, my brother, uh, Chris Small, is one of the premier Abraham Lincoln presenters in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he has a huge, huge, huge uh, breadth of knowledge about Lincoln, about kind of the Civil War time period and stuff. So... Um, Hopefully we can get him on at some point and kind of maybe yeah, talk a whole series, yeah, small podcasts. You know, talk Civil War, talk presidents, that kind of thing with him uh, mm-hmm. as it pertains to the movies and stuff. So that might be something yeah. we could do in the future too. So um, yeah, we will get stuff on here. Also, you can check out our movie website, War in Heaven, War on Earth dot com, War in Heaven, War on Earth dot com, um, and cool. uh, yeah, it's it's we're really really excited about it. Very cool, man. So that that has been the big thing. Um, <laughs> you see any movies? Uh, we have. Um, my wife and I also just celebrated our fourth anniversary. Yay! So, uh, that's fantastic. But uh, as part of our festivities, we went and saw the best exotic marigold hotel. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard about this. I I just recently heard about this. Yeah, it's man. It's it. We really enjoyed it. It's. Um, uh, basic basic premise is there's kind of these, I don't know six or eight. Um, older British people who have kind of you know their retirement age or older, and they're kind of all realizing they're they're coming to different places in their life, but basically they're realizing that they can't really live or afford to live in Britain anymore, mm-hmm. um, or want to get away, or you know whatever it is, and they all find this hotel that promises to be this beautiful place for retirees and old people basically mm-hmm. um and it's in india so they all travel to india and they show up at this rundown kind of decrepit hotel mm-hmm. um in the middle of india and it's you know this huge culture shock and um and e- you know each character kind of experiences this new culture differently and and they each have different things that they learn some of them learn that they need to go back to England. Some of them, you know, grow significantly. And it's it's just very cool. It has uh Judy Dench in it, mm-hmm. uh Bill Nighy, uh Love Bill Nighy. Um oh uh, Maggie Smith is in it mm. and uh there's more people. Uh the kid from um uh oh man uh Slumdog Millionaire Slumdog Millionaire, yes, thank you. Uh, uh and more. I mean there's there's mm-hmm. there's eight or ten, you know, big uh, especially in Britain, um, mm-hmm. you know, British stars in this movie, and it's it's pretty fantastic. Cool. Um, you know, it, it deals with themes of growing older and, um, you know, but uh, death and, and some of that kind of thing. But at the same time, it also <laughs> has to... <laughs> Sounds like the feel-good movie of the year. Yeah, growing but, older and dying. No, but, it, you know, it also... That's kind of minor to it. it. You know, it really is kind of a story of, like, it's never too old, too too late to begin your life kind of thing, and it's never too late to, um, you know, to really figure out who you are and start living and stuff. So, um, it's it's actually, it's pretty uplifting, and, and uh, we both really liked it. Cool. So good. Yeah. How about you? What have you been up to? Oh man. Um, like I said, since it's been three weeks, um, <laughs> it already feels like old news to talk about the Avengers. But I've already seen it twice in the theater now. Uh, saw it back to back weekends, which is something I haven't done since uh, the movie Inception. 
Um, I, I love movies. I try to see as many as I can in the theater, but that's usually like an expense that I can't always afford. Um, but every once in a while, a movie comes along that just kind of demands you to go see it and then go see it again. And that was The Avengers uh, for me this summer. Uh, maybe the, the absolutely the most fun I've had in the theater in a in quite some time. It is an incredibly fun film. Whether or not you like superhero movies, if that's not your cup of tea, uh, Joss Whedon has put together a... I'm going to use the word fun a lot in this <laughs> mini-review because he's put together something incredibly fun that is very approachable. If you haven't seen all the Marvel movies, uh, he's made a movie that's the perfect jumping-on point. And you're like, here are all these characters. If you like these characters, you can go check out their movies. They already exist. We're going to be making more, but here they, you know. Uh, just a very well-put-together movie that, um, like if you take this and you take um, The Dark Knight, to me, if you kind of mesh these two, you have everything that I kind of love about comic books and comic book movies. Um, you have like the, the dark gritty social sat, not social satire, but like kind of, uh, thematic social, uh, commentary, commentary. That's, you know, interesting and relevant today. And you have that in the bat, the, the current Batman movies. Um, but then you also have like the really big whiz bangery fun of the Avengers. And it's like, it is like, it has so many unexpected bits of comedy, uh, really great character moments, but like the Avengers never get super deep. It's just like it is the very definition of a popcorn flick, but in the absolute best way possible. It's like I, I, I saw it and I saw it a second time, and there were little bits I picked up on the second time I had noticed the first time, largely because I had laughed so hard for so long during a couple of scenes. I missed entire bits of dialogue. Um, at this point, I think everybody who wants to see it has seen it, so this is kind of old news. And everybody who has seen it has seen it twice or three times at this point as well. I'll be curious to see, because uh, this weekend, uh, Men in Black 3 opened. Mm-hmm. Um, see what just, kind of that takes away yeah, or I'll, whether I'll it cur- does. I'll be curious to see what, what is the number one this uh, weekend, because The Avengers has been the number one movie since it came out. And surprisingly, Men in Black, Men in Black 3 has opened to some very positive reviews. Um, the trailer didn't fill me with a lot of confidence, and the second movie, which was already ten years ago, wasn't my favorite movie on earth. So, I would love to see a fun movie. I love Will Smith, and you know, I would be very happy to return to that franchise. But we'll see. Anyway, I saw that, and um, I saw a bunch of other stuff. There's two other movies I want to touch on. Uh, we bought a zoo and The Gray, two very different movies. <laughs> uh, we bought a zoo is a movie written and directed by Cameron Crowe. Uh, based on a true story um, about a family that basically buys a property that has an old rundown zoo on it. And this really is like a throwback to some of the family films I grew up watching, some of the Disney films of yesteryear. Um, This is really the best kind of family film you can get. It's a a, a PG movie, so there's nothing objectionable in it. There's some very mild language, like once or twice. Um... But it's just like a heartwarming movie. And Cameron Crowe, he basically, um, he makes movies for me, and other people seem to enjoy them too sometimes, which is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Almost Famous is is my favorite movie of all time. And uh, and in this, again, he just, he, he understands people, and he understands characters and their need for other people. And he just writes really great little moments of good dialogue, yet that it, it feels always very grounded and believable in reality. And it's a really charming movie about, you know, I kind of got into it at first going, I don't know, I I love Cameron Crowe, but I don't know if if this is going to work for me. And about 30 minutes in, I had a smile on my face that this, you know, it didn't leave for the whole rest of the movie. And it's a really good movie. And the the Blu-ray has like a little documentary uh, on it that kind of explores the real story of this zoo. And so it was kind of funny to watch this movie that's, you know, Matt Damon and Scarlett Johansson basically in Southern California and then to find out the real story took place in England <laughs> with a very different looking man. You go, oh, okay. Uh, but really, really great movie. Just very enjoyable. Um, the kind of movie, like I said, it'd be great for a you know a family. If you have six-year-olds and you want to watch a movie together as a family on movie night, this, I would say, put this at the top of your list. It is, you won't miss. Um, the Grey which is <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. Uh, quick right turn here. Um, the gray is the movie that everybody kind of, uh, even the trailer kind of, uh, called like Liam Neeson versus the wolves mm-hmm. movie. And I was like, I don't know. This looks dumb. I liked taken as much as everybody else, but I don't know about this. This seems like a step too far. Um, but then a couple people that I like and respect their opinion on 
um, said, you should check this out. This is actually a really decent movie. And so I did check it out. And what surprised me is while there is definitely a Liam Neeson versus the Wolves element, this is really kind of that tried and true man versus nature kind of conflict and story. It ba- it's basically about these men whose airplane crashes in, uh, I want to say like in northern Canada. It is a bleak and barren wasteland that they that they crash in. And it's about their survival against the elements. And they happen to crash inside the this the territory of this you know vicious pack of wolves and so there's this it goes into this really interesting place that i wasn't expecting um and so because of that i don't want to spoil the ending because it's really pretty phenomenal where the the direction this movie ends up going if you show up just to see you know men fighting wolves and uh men fighting the elements you're going to be fine but then there comes a certain point where you kind of start to realize a lot of these things that they are dealing with are kind of metaphors for one's own personal demons as well as I don't know, it just it went into this really interesting like existential spiritual dilemma conversation that I was not expecting and it ends on a really interesting note that made me actually really respect it and I kind of went, oh okay, Liam Neeson isn't just going to make dumb action movies from here on out this is really interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was an unexpected surprise, and I, I'd kind of recommend it. It is a R-rated movie for a lot of harsh language and some pretty grisly violence um, that does not involve any grizzly bears. Um, <laughs> but it was, I really enjoyed it. I did a bunch of other things, too, because like I said, it's been three weeks, and TV shows have ended, so uh, Kelly and I find ourselves watching more movies. If you swing by our website, you'll find reviews for some video games and some books and some other movies that I've been partaking in um, that I might recommend or I might not. Uh, check it out. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Good times. Nice. So, all the presidents, Ben? Uh, sure, yeah. Or is, it, is there anything else you want to touch on? No, I think I think after... A couple of weeks of delaying this one, we should get right at it. <laughs> get right at it. <laughs> you, you, the audience, have no clue, but we, we truly have been trying to record this podcast for like two or three What are they now. talking about? Yeah. It's crazy people. <laughs> well, they it's were just, just talking about the MPA, and now it's yeah. this. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, All the President's Men, uh, which is number 77 on AFI's Top 100 Films uh, list, uh, starring Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman, about uh, the the true story basically of the two reporters who kind of stumbled upon the the Watergate scandal and all of all that 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 entailed yeah um man this is this is uh, it has been a long time since I've seen this film um, yeah I haven't seen this since film school when we watched it and and I remembered loving it then yeah uh, and kind of wanting to become a reporter rather than a film student yeah there's um, that brief moment where you can, it really is kind of those it's one of those inspiring movies like you go there needs to be more people like that in the world and I could be one of them I'm going to do that <laughs> yeah but I mean uh, I sat down finally to watch this again and and it is it is just a powerful riveting kind of film um, mm-hmm. And part of that, I want to let's go ahead and get into it. Um, one of the th- reasons I think this movie still works so well, some what is it, se- uh, thirty years later? Yeah, is seventy four to twenty twelve. Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons I think it works so well is that the script is very sparse. is a very almost documentary kind of approach to the story. It's not your typical Hollywood script where you have this really big story arc. It is almost you know like a recounting of the events that took place. You know, there really isn't necessarily your, what you would consider a story in this. It is like this happened and this happened. Then they talk to these people. And so you're actually kind of following these reporters on all the different leads they get, the dead ends they run into, the frustrations they, they have. Mm-hmm. And it, it's structured very well and interestingly, but it's really more of just like an exercise in in structure more than actual storytelling necessarily. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting that you kind of mentioned the documentary thing because uh, we were watching and uh, I don't know maybe twenty thirty minutes into the movie, um, there's a scene that happens on top of a building, and uh, Brandy was like, "Lauren, uh, pause it for a minute." So yeah, I pause it. She's like, "Man, this is this is amazing." She's like, um, "The uh, you never see in a movie." where people truly have to respond to their surroundings. Like they're on top of this building. And 
yeah, and there's planes flying over. And so, you know, they're sitting there, and you can see all of Washington around them. And, like, as planes fly over, they have to start talking louder. And, like, you know, partway through the conversation, they're yelling over the planes, and the planes fly away, and they kind of can quiet down, and then more planes fly. Like, it was, it was you know, just incredibly real. It's something that, you know, it we've all done. Really kind of puts you in the moment. It, yeah, that's, that's true. There was a, a movie recently, uh, The Social Network actually did the same thing, but in a different way, where they were in a club and they had to shout over the music because the band was so loud. Yeah. Something you don't often see because Hollywood often will cheat it by dubbing in that airplane sound later, but they'll make sure it stays low enough that it doesn't interrupt with the dialogue or they keep the music or the ambience just low enough that everybody talks normally. And so, yeah, to see like characters having to shout over this airplane that's landing near them or just flying overhead was really cool. And I noticed that too. Yeah. That's just the, that's that to me would be probably the closest um, example I could probably give to this movie is is the social network feels made to me in a very similar vein to this film. Um, it's kind of like they took a lot of cues from from the direction this film went. And this is a great movie to take cues from. I yeah, mean, this is uh, it's phenomenally structured and shot, and but then you have like, every part of it is done to the best of its ability really like you have a phenomenal cast that elevates everything because like the script is so almost simple at times just the people mm-hmm. talk very naturally is what i'm trying to yeah, say it's just, it's just people doing phone calls and you know talking man but it's it's incredible because there's like one scene in here where robert redford is on the phone mm-hmm. and about three quarters of the way through the scene which maybe has been going on for 10 minutes or something you suddenly realize that the camera has never cut away and if you notice in that, that's a great moment that you're mentioning. Um, he actually got somebody's name wrong in that scene. And he just keeps rolling with it. He's rolling, and, and it's fine. And that was apparently an actual flub, but it was like, it was so perfect. He stayed in character, and it felt so natural. They just kept it in. Um, likewise, there's a scene with Dustin Hoffman where he kind of sneaks his way into a house mm-hmm. where he's like, oh, hey, can I come in? And the woman's like, you really shouldn't come in. And the other sister's like, no, no, he can come in. And like that whole scene, I just I love the way it's written and the the looks. Like there's so much communicated in silence mm-hmm. with people kind of looking at each other, like the frustration the sisters have with each other, and then Dustin Hoffman asking for a pen or a, a cup of coffee. It's like the whole thing. It's just like it, you're just like this feels real. Like they just so happen to get a camera in on it and shoot it beautifully because everybody just it, it it's really really remarkable. Yeah, it's it's really. Um, yeah, I can't say how um, how well directed and acted this movie is. I mean, there is just th- there are like no fault steps in either of those uh, areas with it. It's it's just beautiful. I would say it's not like a beautiful movie in the traditional sense, but I mean, it's just it's like a flawless kind of film. It really, really. Is. it really is. Um. Which actually makes it makes reviewing it kind of hard because there's like nothing to pick on. It's just kind of like you know we could sit here for thirty minutes and kind of gush over how fantastic this movie is. But uh, yeah, I think instead I think it might be more important just to kind of talk about maybe maybe the the importance of this movie and what it did for maybe for movie making or for or I'll bring it I'll bring it more personally. This movie kind of this came in a time in my life where I was reevaluating my own personal politics. And my own personal belief system and structure and the, the way I saw the world and the people I trusted. And this movie definitely influenced that. It kind of was a little bit of a wake-up call for me that not everybody is to be trusted. Even if the majority has said we trust this person in this political office, mm-hmm. it's um, maybe maybe we don't need to trust them. Maybe they aren't all good people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not all Abraham Lincoln. You know, yeah. they're well, and it's it's interesting in that it also it's also a movie that really gives hope for that kind of circumstance because even though these guys face impossible odds and and things to do it, like it still is very much of that. Yeah. You know, Americans do have that ability to to dig beneath the surface, and they have the freedom to do that. And that's what's really interesting. Like, there's like this underlying hope that there is a balance of power, and the power is still with the people yeah. here in. A- uh, and so even if someone does misstep, don't worry. If you do your due diligence, you will keep, you know, you can help keep this country strong and good. And at, at, at that time in my life, and even still today, I watch that and it still kind of 
challenges me and inspires me and kind of gives me that like no we can we can do good here guys look at this you know yeah no absolutely and um and i i think it i think it still does that for other people too and even you know at that time when it came out in the in the late 70s or mid 70s i think it came at a kind of an important time when people needed to remember or realize really what had happened at watergate and what that really means and some of the and I'll get into the documentaries here in a little bit, but some really fascinating political conversations that are still very relevant today. Yeah, well, that, that's what's really interesting to this movie uh, about, uh, for me. Because um, not only, first off, it really is pretty good at explaining what Watergate was and why it was such a, a deal, which, you know, people who grew up during that kind of know it and they, they understand it but today we kind of know it more like oh yeah it was that weird corruption scandal with nixon you know you don't really know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and this one really you know this movie does a very good job of of showing you the history without ever really pandering it to you you know right. you can it, it may not give you all of the details but it gives you enough that you go wow that really is a lot of corruption mm-hmm. and stuff going on there's you know all of these things and and oh they're you know <laughs> Uh, shutting down this, or they're doing that, and no wonder it's bad. Kind of, you know, you can see really what's going on. Yeah. Um, but then, aside from that, um, you know, it's it, this movie is also an incredible example of the way that a movie can be used um, as a as a political voice, I guess. Um, you know, as a as a voice of the people in in a lot of ways um you know this movie really does an excellent job of tackling especially for when it was made what would have been very relevant topics Mm -hmm. and you know kind of putting them out for discussion Um, yeah yeah and and in a broader sense i think it's it shows that movies while movies can be incredibly entertaining and can be incredibly relevant and can change people's minds or can further conversations that need to be taking place. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be just a straight documentary that's completely informational, and they don't have to be just complete Hollywood and popcorn entertainment. You can have this kind of melding mm-hmm. that furthers people's knowledge and information on particular subjects. You can entertain them, you can thrill them, and you can jumpstart or remind people of a conversation that needs to be taking place yeah and and you know and this movie does that it is it is a riveting film it's not the most exciting movie you will ever watch but the performances it sucks you in though and the story just suck you in and will have you riveted to the screen to see what happens next you watch it and it makes you feel so bad for the current state of the media (laughs) oh yeah you're like oh this wasn't that long ago and look at these people and they were just they're hitting it hard and they're doing investigations and they're doing stuff and it's great and they're not pandering to a 24-hour news cycle or they're not finding information for pundits and it's just like mm-hmm. this is just pe- information people need to have yeah like this is the way that the news should be yeah 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 uh no it's 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 pretty fantastic um so <laughs> I, I guess maybe a couple production notes here about yeah. it. Uh, you know this movie was up for some academy awards it won a few of them uh sound design i think and and some others uh best supporting actor um but uh i, I think something interesting on on this movie for me is the director alan uh Pakula. Pakula, we, yeah. we tried to look up his pronunciation. Like, <laughs> and we've already forgotten Because we weren't sure if it was like Scott Bakula or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how to... Anyhow. Um, who is sadly dead, I believe, now. Um, yes, but he directed some great movies. Including, including one we've already reviewed. Including Sophie's Choice, which we've already reviewed. Um, so he has two movies that he directed. And one that he produced, right? And one that he produced, which is To Kill a Mockingbird, on this AFI Top 100 list. He's like the most respected director mm-hmm. that no one's ever heard of. Right, which is really, yeah, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he also directed... Um, the Pelican Brief and and mm-hmm. uh, what is it? Presumed Innocent, the the yes. uh, Harrison Ford movie, and you know, I mean, this is a guy who has a pretty broad body of work. And, and I, yeah, and I, I feel like he he does when you look at those movies and you kind of combine them, he does that thing that I think more directors need to do, and something I've tried to do with my projects, which is to allow content to dictate style, because this movie is very different in 
the style of storytelling than, say, To Kill a Mockingbird, which I know he didn't direct, but even Sophie's Choice. Sophie's Choice is a very different kind of movie than this. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's one, I mean, very strong performances, like we said, but it, the storytelling style is very different. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, anyways, that's very interesting to me. And, uh, I don't know. That makes me actually like Sophie's Choice just a little bit more somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Which we were kind of mixed on that as a film, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, then this movie was also... I mean, it was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. Um, it won a couple. It won, st- it won for, like I think, like Best Sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to touch on sound? Because they do some really interesting things getting it into this yeah. movie. Well, man, this this movie, uh, it just... It did. It had great sound design. I mean, it, it's, it's a movie that is driven by the actors' performances. And those performances work because they are a part of their environments that are created. And so set design, sound design is all together there kind of working, you know, um when they're in the in the Washington Post offices, there's just oh yeah, keyboards and typewriters clapping. Yeah, I love what I love what they do with the typewriters at the beginning and ending yeah. of this movie. That it just it's so it just grabs your attention. Yeah, yeah. You know, phones are ringing, people are talking. Um there's moments where like they bring in TV or radio kinds of pieces that just kind of help keep telling the story um there's a scene where like robert redford is is continuing to work while the big news story of the day is going on behind him mm-hmm. um you know and you see the the uh the office like quiets down behind him and you just hear his keyboard continuing to, to click mm-hmm. as he's typing on his typewriter and like there's just like one tv or something that everybody else is gathering around and watching their news story come together mm-hmm. um you know it's just it's very very driven by the sound in this mm-hmm. movie and and again the sets uh the sets also feel incredibly real they they completely i mean they yeah, took they, measurements they brought in trash from the old washington you know, right washington i mean they rebuilt the washington post newsroom in burbank in burbank and it's it just feels like you are in a real newsroom it's it's amazing oh yeah I mean, if i hadn't if i hadn't read that information i would have assumed they filmed it in a even if it not at the post in a newsroom, I mean, right. it, it doesn't look like a set at all. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just. It's. It's so believable. There's nothing in it that doesn't feel mm-hmm. real. And then they go into a location. A couple, you know, they go to the uh, the Library of Congress, and there's like a shot that starts out basically on on him reading at you know them working at a desk, and like it just goes mm-hmm. all the way up to the ceiling, and it's you know, I mean, so when they go on location, it just adds to that reality. Mm-hmm. That the sets have already created. I mean, just it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, the actors in here are great. There's all kinds of character actors from the period who mm-hmm. just nail these amazing roles. And uh, you know, Hal Holbrook is in it. He's deep throat, and mm-hmm. um, you know, Jason Robards is the editor of the newspaper, and he's just incredible. He actually won an Oscar in this one mm-hmm. uh, for for his role. And and didn't he go on to play? A- Kind of almost a parody of himself in the Muppet, the Great Muppet Caper. I believe he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I first saw him, I was like, "Wait a minute." Yeah, but you know, he, yeah, it, you know, and he was an actor who who had, I mean, he had been in tons of movies before yeah. this. You know, westerns and stuff. You know, just a, an amazing character actor. You'll recognize him as soon as he's on screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just a movie where everything just comes together and just really clicks um, into. Cinematic excellence. I mean, you can't really yeah, yeah. say much more about yeah, it. Yeah, this was nominated for. Uh, it was nominated for best picture, but it, it lost to Rocky. I mean, it, it's actually in really good company when you realize in this uh, all the other nominees for best picture this year was Rocky, All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, and Taxi Driver. Um, so I mean, this was a good year for film, I would say. Yeah, and I it's find- interesting if you if you look at those, like the com- some common elements, kind of yeah, well, are there, which is I think really fascinating to see. Yeah, like Network is one of the movies in kind of our alternative suggestion section that we get to usually at the end here. That yeah, you know, I was going to mention because it really is. It's network to me seems like a direct reaction to Watergate mm-hmm. um, and to to everything surrounding it and uh, kind of the media of the time and it's it's still incredibly relevant today and then um, yeah and then you and then you look at Taxi Driver about like this man who is who feels lost in this big system who's fighting for his own place in the world and his own relevance and you kind of go they were going through some stuff in the seventies this yeah. is this is all very. They almost could exist in the exact same world, I and mean, they clearly do. But it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, it's um, so a very good year for movies, and yeah. um, 
yeah, it's just it's very interesting to to kind of put the, the time into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very cool stuff. So, um, <laughs> final verdict: go see it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, what what would you tell other people? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that we right. both are you know Gushing. go watch this movie kinds of people. But yeah, yeah. what would you tell other people to go see if they like? You know these kinds of movies of you know kind of either the uh, the the press kind of thing or um, you know history kind of told through the news or, or that kind of stuff. Um, you know, examination of the media, all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frost Nixon was a movie that came out oh, uh, a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, I, I believe directed by Ron Howard, but it was based on a stage play of the same name. But it's this really fascinating moment in history. Um, in which President Nixon, after he's um, left office, an Australian basically invites him to come on his TV show so he can interview him about Watergate. And it's the first time and only time Nixon ever talked about openly about Watergate. And it's in this moment that you, you might have heard this, and it's this really chilling, fascinating moment where um, basically Nixon says his belief is that um, if the president does something it's not wrong. You know, it's like, it could be against the law for everybody else to do it, but if the president does it, it's not. And it's really interesting to see that because that's a reoccurring thing if you follow politics. Like, that's been a reoccurring theme with certain presidents since then. And it's a really well-structured movie. I mean, it's not written by Aaron Sorkin. I actually think it's written by um, the guy who wrote The Queen. And oh, I think you're right. Um, and it's just, it's just a phenomenal script and moment um, there's also a documentary I just recently watched also called Frost Nixon which is actually it's not so much a documentary but it's actually just the, the raw footage of that interview mm-hmm. and it is so interesting it's like it's like the, it's clear the people who made the movie picked all the best moments to pull into the movie into the script and then the movie kind of flushes out the moment surrounding the interview so you see more than just the two of them talking but even when you just see the two of them talking it is riveting because it's you know it's Michael Sheen who um, who I love and it's uh, Frank Langella I believe plays mm-hmm. Nixon and it is a it's just <laughs> it's just riveting <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry because uh, I always associate him with um, Cutthroat Island because he played the, the villain <laughs> right. in that That's and it's right. just it's to me it's amazing that <laughs> that one actor can be in both Cutthroat Island and, and Frost Nixon yeah and be amazing uh, you know? yeah yeah um, the other thing there's two other well, two slash three other things I'd recommend um, movie that came out that to me feels like the the grandson <laughs> the, the distant descendant of all the president's men movie called State of Play mm. which had Russell Crowe and uh, Rachel McAdams in it as well as other great actors and it's just Ben Affleck is in it um, and it's this really interesting movie about it's almost like an ode to print media is how it feels especially the way it ends it's kind of like this 21st century at reporting and digging up for information and it all kind of revolves around kind of this political scandal so that it is kind of even thematically similar to all the president's men it is a work of fiction so it doesn't have that um but it is really interesting and the way the closing credits to me is almost almost my favorite part because um it's just like this you feel like, it, like it's this loving tribute to newspapers and how they're kind of going away yeah um and if you like that or if you haven't seen if you haven't seen it it's actually based on a bbc miniseries that was like four or five parts and so they kind of consolidated like this five-hour program down into a two-hour movie and the bbc miniseries stars bill nye in the russell crowe role basically uh john sims uh for those of you who like doctor who he played the master recently and um someone else who i'm forgetting uh it's also really great i, ha- I just picked it back up um i just rebought it and i'm about to watch it again um and it's also very very good yeah i'd say it's as good as the movie just in a different way yeah in a different way it, it basically you get to see all those characters that you know oh it has that's the girl it has the girl from boardwalk empire in it as well oh yeah I don't even remember her name. her name, but yeah. Yeah, but she's in it. And um, basically, you get to see all those characters. You just get to see more. It flushes out a lot because you get to spend, you know, twice as long with all of these people. Other movie I would highly recommend is Good Night and Good Luck, which is kind of a look into the McCarthy era of America and specifically a, a news program that kind of comes under fire when they start 
retaliating against what McCarthy is doing. Um, directed by George Clooney, also stars George Clooney and Robert Downey Jr. and Jason Statham and just about every actor who's working today. It's a huge cast and it's shot in black and white and it's gorgeous and great. <laughs> yeah, it's I, Edward R. Murrow and, and yeah. fantastic. I, everything that you have said, go watch. Um, <laughs> to those, I would add, um, you know, Citizen Kane is kind of the the king of newspaper man <laughs> yep. movies it's you know it's not so much about actually the news and stuff but it it, it does kind of follow a newspaper magnate and, yeah. and it really does touch on on some of the early days of newspapers in america and that kind of thing or at least modern news in america um you know kind of in the early 1900s um so you can't really go wrong with citizen kane um the insider is uh Oh man, this is a fantastic movie. Uh, is that again, the Russell Crowe, Al Pacino. Yeah, Russell Crowe and Al Pacino. It's yeah. basically um, um, about one of the reporters for sixty minutes, who basically is able to find a whistleblower from inside the tobacco industry, mm-hmm. um, and gets him to basically um, you know discredit all the health reports and stuff, and just come out and Wait. and. Uh, really say what is what tobacco really knows is going on with uh with its product and it's uh, it's powerful i mean it's just a powerfully powerful movie i mean russell Crowe, directed by michael mann yeah michael mann directed uh, you know russell Crowe and al pacino both amazing highly yeah. highly so recommended this is like the movie that came out right is it before gladiator like this is like almost pre-famous Russell Crowe. Yeah, I want to say this was right before Gladiator or right after it. It was either like his follow-up to like kind of, you know, do something different or it was his thing right before it. And this is, this is, this and Gladiator is really what put him on the map because this is, people were insanely impressed at the time and still, you still can be about his willingness to be a chameleon. He -hmm. put on a bunch of weight to be in this movie. Like he really wanted to play this guy and didn't want to be, you know, uh, the beefy, Maximus, yeah. as you know, and so he put on like fifty or sixty pounds. I mean, this is kind of like, you know, like he pulled a Tom Hanks and Castaway. He put on a lot of weight, and it's really impressive, and it's a great movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Network, mm-hmm. um, which I touched on earlier. It's you know, it's it's very much a reaction to some of the problems of the media, but it's a, a super powerful movie as well, and and I would highly recommend it. Yeah, um, to anyone who's kind of interested in. The way network television uh, works and and worked, I'd say even you know it's not entirely current, but at the same time, you know it doesn't it doesn't touch on any of the twenty uh, four hour news network kind of stuff. But it's at the same time it's very incredibly relevant to today's mm-hmm. media world. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if you're looking at, at uh, this kind of thing, Shattered Glass. I don't know if you've seen this or not, Scott. I haven't, but this is it. Star is this the one with Hayden Christensen? Yeah, or? it has Hayden Christensen in it and. Um, Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, no. It, uh, is it Hayden Christensen or is it James Franco? No, it's Hayden Christensen in it. Okay. Um, okay. And this is this is the movie that proves that um, George Lucas <laughs> can't, uh, direct. can't direct Hayden Christensen. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, uh, he's he's really quite good in it. He plays a character that you kind of love to hate, which is really you know refreshing after uh, Anakin. Um, Just hate. Because yeah, um, because he basically the story is um, um, there's a magazine um, that you know is very reputable. Uh, it's a true story, and I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain right now for what the uh, magazine is. Is it is it the New Republic? Mm. I think it is. Anyhow, um, <laughs> this is your story, man. I don't know. <laughs> sorry, Anyhow, sorry, <laughs> listeners. I should have had my notes together better. <sighs> So unprofessional. Um, but anyhow, he basically invents all of these stories that he um, he says that he has all of his notes for. And as his stuff starts unraveling, he cr- starts creating more and more lies to cover it up. Mm. And it's it's just fascinating. Um, it's kind of a look at. Um, integrity in journalism, um, you know, kind of an editor's place in it, and this story in general. Um, uh, the the actual true life story was was broken 
about how this guy was lying in in his writing uh, mm-hmm. by Forbes Online. So this was like the first time that an online news source. Oh, I think I heard about this. Yeah, this yeah. was a huge thing. This was like the first time an online news source had broken a huge story, basically, and yeah. so it kind of legitimized online news media. So that's kind of what this movie is about. Um, it's really, really quite good. So um, very much in the vein of of. Uh, you know all the president's men. Uh, it, it plays out differently. It has, it, mm-hmm. it, but I uh, highly recommend it. I liked it a lot. Um, cool. Let's see. Just to throw a couple more. The Pelican Brief, also directed um, by uh, Pacula or Pacula or however we're saying it. Um, really good. Uh, kind of you know John Grishamy investigative sort of movie. Not really factual or anything, but just a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah, um, you know, good thriller. Um, I Love Trouble also kind of falls into I that. Haven't seen that. Um, Nick Nolte and Julia Roberts back before Nick Nolte turned into scary Nick Nolte. Um, <laughs> and it's just it's a good good movie kind of uh, thriller. They're both reporters from different newspapers, and and it has a lot of good stuff about reporters and stuff in it, as well as just being kind of a fun action adventure. Cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, the last one I will say is a movie called Teacher's Pet, mm-hmm. which is Clark Gable and Doris Day. Um, okay. And so this is kind of a, a throwback into like the 40s or 50s, um, probably the 50s, um, but just kind of a slightly earlier era of newspapers. And, you know, kind of a little bit in that um, Doris Day, um, you know, kind of kind of sort of movie. Um, but it's still kind of an entertaining look at newspapers and uh, newspaper men and that kind of thing. So um, those are those are some movies of various ilks and natures that you might enjoy if you're interested in the news, the media and politics and that kind of stuff. Uh, ilk. Ilk. That's right. <laughs> Hey, that's it. That's it for this episode. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to add, Lauren? Um, no, but check out the documentary that I've been working on, is what I yes. would say. Uh, yes. War in Heaven, War on Earth.com, or always, you know, there will be some stuff in our show notes at moviesyoushouldlove.com. Absolutely. Check us out there. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. We are here to have conversations. Right. Twitter at Movies You Should, Facebook, Facebook.com slash Movies You Should, and moviesyoushouldlove.com. And I really want people to really, I really hope you guys realize I'm absolutely serious when I, and I, Lauren is too, when we say we want to have a conversation, we really do. When you post things on our site, we read every single one of them and we respond and we really want to do that. We are here to have conversations, not just to throw our voice out into the world. So please come. <laughs> You've heard our opinions. What are yours? Exactly. So, um, so what are we doing next time, Scott? What is our next film? Little movie called Four. Gump. I don't know if I've seen that one. We'll have to look into it. Um, <laughs> right, well, Super that excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be checking that out, and I'm sure uh, you have seen it, but we can tell you why you should love it next time. <laughs> if you don't already. <laughs> if you don't already. <laughs> Talk to you guys next week. All right. See ya. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 